Rodney Jane here. At Bob Jane T-Marts, we have hot deals for every budget. Buy three and you get the fourth tyre absolutely free on Bridgestone, Yokohama, Goodyear and J-Tracks. And up to $150 instant cashback on Continental, Pirelli, Dunlop and the legendary Bob Jane All-Rounder. Plus check out our hot deals on Beef Goodrich All-Terrain Co. 2s from only $249, all with our best tyre price guarantee. We'll look after you. Tastes apply. This is Parked Up Plus, the place of pace for motor racing news thanks to Race Fuels. From supercars to club racing, Race Fuels keeps Australian motorsport moving, supplying premium products when and where racers need it. And fueling the latest news and views is Parked Up Plus. Coming up in this special Bathurst 1000 week episode, the Larkometer. Pit Lane Pundit ranks Bathurst 1000 contenders and pretenders. Chaz Mostert, can he do it again? Cam Waters, top Ford Hope, ready for Bathurst Breakthrough. And Holden's big farewell to the mountain. All the details. All this and more straight ahead on Parked Up Plus with Mark Fogarty. Hi there, race fans. It's Bathurst 1000 week. And ahead of the biggest race of the season, we have our biggest show of the year. So strap in and hold on tight. Because like a quali lap of Mount Panorama, there's excitement at every turn. We'll hear from defending Bathurst champion Chaz Mostert and Ford flyer Cam Waters, and also all about Holden's big Bathurst farewell. But first, who better to set the scene for the Repco Bathurst 1000 than popular TV pundit Mark Larkham? Entertaining and incisive, Larko has dusted off his ultimate measure of form for the great race. It is, of course, the Larkometer, exclusive to Parked Up Plus. Larko ranks and rates the contenders and pretenders on a temperature scale. Sizzling for his favourites, hot for podium chances, warm for top 10 challenges, and cool for the rest, plus his smoky. The outside combination he thinks could cause an upset. Larko prefaced his comments with this overview of what is traditionally an unpredictable race. We have this chat every year, don't we, mate? And I've got to be honest and say it just gets harder and and harder each year. It it really does to sort of look a little deep into the field about what may or may not be. You know, the couple of sizzlers are sometimes, you know, pretty obvious, um, but don't always happen that way. I was, you know, I was having a bit of a review as I do each year. I like to have a review of the lap charts from the previous year to understand in particular how co-drivers performed number one against each other and number two uh, against their main driver, the A&B driver. What was the difference between them? And it gives you a bit of an insight into some of the form. But, you know, it, the game has got so much harder because, you know, you and I have both lived through an era of, of you know, what was once known as the privateer. And sometimes you'd half expect, you know, a private tick and pop up out of nowhere and deliver a big result, which did sort of, you know, occasionally happen, not necessarily win the race. But but now if you look at the times at Bathurst, and I know we say it is a sprint race for a thousand Ks, but it is, but it, it kind of goes to 110% in the last two stints. So whilst you're trying to typically, you know, conserve a little fuel, you also got to punch out the big numbers. And, and again, it just jumped out and smacked me in the head, mate, this year looking at the at the at the race lap times is that 
whether it be co-driver and co-driver, and let's just say they're typically, you know, a half to three quarters, maybe up to a second apart, you know, on average. But all day you see sort of, you know, two minutes and seven, two minute and eight from a co-driver, main driver gets in, bangs out, you know, a bunch of low sevens, a couple of high sixes, and that kind of goes on, that trend goes on all day. And then the last two stints, because everyone does a double stint these days, sixes, 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 bang, a few fives, a few fives. A f- I mean, it's just insane. It's like something happens the last two stints and bang. Uh, the, and, and that is hot pace. I mean, fives and sixes around battle. So my point to all of that, it, it makes it really hard. I'd love to see you and throw out someone from left to field that can win the face, race. But if you haven't got that pace to run in those high fives and sixes at the end, which you know as well as I do, mate, that's only three or four, maybe five cars at best. There's nothing you can do. You can be strong all day in the game, appear to be in the game, strategize well, conserve fuel, great reliability, all of those things, stay out of trouble. But if you can't run at that pace, and I stood there and watched so much so last year, I walked over, I think I told you this, to turn one with about 10 laps to go from where I was on pit lane. I walked over to the corner I just wanted to see with my own eyes the pace that Mostert's car had, mid-corner, not in a straight line. That car through the middle of a corner was phenomenal in last year. And if you didn't have that, you were never going to beat him. But wait, there's more. Teams focusing on Gen 3, is that going to have an impact on focus on the race this year? You know, it doesn't mean there's not going to be a lot of effort being thrown at it, but I certainly believe there's not been the level of development of the Gen 2 race car because all that energy is now going into Gen 3 build stuff. So what's that going to mean? I think it's going to mean you're going to rely really, really heavily on information from last year. And if we get the weather that looks like it's predicted up there on Thursday, Friday and Saturday, Jesus, that, that information from last year, if you know what to put in your car and what to do with it, is going to be profoundly important. So, um, you know, they're just a couple of things. And the other little curve one I'll throw in there, mate, there's, the, the, I think it's the top eight drivers in the development series, there's two, are competing in our main game up there. Six of those top eight are actually in the DS2 races up there. Now, those guys are going to be, they're already sharp, and I think that's great that that's happening in a category. But keep an eye on all six of those guys because, you know, they're going to be worth watching. I think that's terrific. Okay, so we're away, and as we power up Mountain Straight on our preview lap, here's the Lacometer. Well, sizzling for a win, mate. Um, I can only put two cars in this bucket. I'd like to put a couple more, but I can't quite do it. And that's Van Gisbergen and Tander, obvious, and Mostert and Coulthard. Now, SVG and Tander, it's theirs to lose, isn't it? You know, and I work with Garth. I've known Garth for a long time. Um, I've often said I reckon Gar should have more championship trophies in his cabinet. He's smart, he's articulate. He's not the fastest co-driver out there. You know, I had a look close look at his times and he's going to try and keep up with Shane Van Gisbergen, which is harder than anyone in the field. So there's a bit of a gap there. But he's as fast as the other top-tier co-drivers. So that's important. And I'd say, you know, as smart or smarter than most of them. And I don't mean that disrespectfully. He knows how to play the game. And the fact that he had a full test day to himself out here the other day, man, that's almost a game changer. So he's going to be in the zone, articulate, contribute to the effort over the course of the day. That's game-changing stuff. So that puts them really at the top of the pile for that reason. It's not just because Shane's 
you know, all out this year and hard to beat. I just think as a combo, you know, wow. Um, and what might have been last year, I don't think they would have caught Mostert's car. It was just too fast, but gee whiz, they were close. And then Mostert, what can I say? The guy's a star. You know, they've probably been a little bit distracted, uh, you know, uh, more than anyone with what they're doing with their Gen 3 program next year. But goes to my point earlier, if we get rain and there's not a lot of running and people get to set their cars up well, they know exactly what they need. If they bolt what they had in last year at Bathurst, they will be a rocket. Mostert will be a rocket. You wouldn't get much better than putting Coulthard in your car as a co-driver. So, mate, them are sizzlers. Both of them red hot. The Larkometer says sizzling. So, so Waters and Moffat, hot for a win, still, still hot for a win, but I just couldn't quite put him in that top tier. I mean, I love what Waters has done on occasion this year. Just he, He's the guy that just seems to happy to bang panels with Shane and stick it in there. So, for me, if Waters in that top group of four or five cars in the last stint, and if that car has the pace of the leaders at that point of time, make, you can straight away take him out of hot and put him up into sizzling. Don't quite think that'll happen. I mean, again, that car, when it's as fast as, as Van Gisbergen's on a given day, he will take it to Van Gisbergen. But unfortunately, there's just too many days, not a lot of them, but too many days where it's just not quite good enough. And last year was the same. They were nearly good enough, but they just weren't quite there. So he's bordering on sizzling. Uh, Moff will do a good job. Uh, he's like so many of those other full-time drivers out there, full-time co-drivers, if you like. He'll be solid. He'll be as fast as the rest of the other co-drivers. It'll be what that car's like in the last stint that'll determine whether it's a sizzler or hot. The other one in that group, I've only got one other group, is is Will Davison. Davison, Davison, the two brothers. Will has impressed the hell out of us all this year. If you'd asked me a year and a half ago if Will would be where he is and showing the speed that he is right now in his career, I'd say no way. So well done, Will. And I mean, the speed he showed at Pukekohe you know, had they not had that drama, he was the only guy that would have beaten Van Gisbergen on that day. So you cannot rule him out at Bathurst, but I've got to say, and I say the same thing for, for Anton, I mean, they just, we really didn't see much of them last year in Bathurst. They were there or thereabouts, but, you know, they were the 13th and 14th fastest laps in the race last year. Not good enough. Um, so, you know, and, and Alex Davison, arguably the most reliable driver you could have in the car with you at Bathurst. In fact, you know, he's got a 100% strike record. That's just extraordinary. We'll talk about that this coming weekend. So you wouldn't want anyone better. Probably not as fast as some of the top-tier co-drivers. That that could be a little bit of an issue, but it's a little bit like Waters. The way Davison is driving now, and with that car and that team and that engine, there's no reason if somehow he can be in that top gaggle after the last safety car, after the last round of stops, whatever, again, you've got to put Sizzling next to his name. But I can't because of all those other factors. It's just not quite there. So them are two possibly hot for a win, but bordering on Sizzling, mate. The Larkometer says hot. Podium potential, some of these, depending on, on what happened. And this one, Feeney and Wincup, I think it's just going to be fascinating to watch. We saw Jamie, how fast he was at a test day recently, um, showed up Feeney. Feeney is clearly a young talent of the future, done an exceptionally good job this year. He's got Bathurst under his belt now. It's a triple eight racing effort. I reckon Jamie's going to take the team hat off and put the driver cap on. And I, 
mate, I don't know, folks, it's in his DNA, isn't he? I just, I have this vision of Jamie just going to switch on again at Bathurst. You know, I, I really do. You know, will he have that last uh, two tenths that Shane Van Gisbergen's got? No, probably not. Gee whiz, the pair of these guys in that car at Bathurst, they're going to be there or thereabouts. Can't see it any other way. Steve Pasquale and D'Alberto. So let's talk about Tony D'Alberto. Rock solid, great co-driver. Fits in with the best of all that that, that pro co-driver sort of guy again. Anton, you just can't discount him because the guy's talented. However, the big question mark again is this thing of conversion. We talk about it all the time. He was fast in the shootout there this year. He's typically our fastest qualifying during the championship year, but he's just not converting into race results. And the hardest place to convert is at Bathurst. So, you know, he's a, you know, a, a, a year further on, more experience. Maybe we'll see that happen. But at the moment, I should be able to just count them in to almost sizzling just on raw speed and Anton's capability. On form, I just quite, can't quite do it. And that's why Will's further up the list. I think, what are they, three race wins to one race win. So um, we need to see more from Anton. So he's, he's in the warm bunch at the moment, at the top of the warm bunch, but, but, but warm. And then, folks, if I can then just jump to what I'd call generically warm, you know, there's this bunch of, oh, wow, this is hardest. You know, it's like a big fat waste, you know, the middle. This, this is going to be, you know, from sort of fifth, fourth or fifth to sort of 13th, 14th, 15th in there. There's so many that could pop up into the front of that group or languish in the back of it. You know, I mean, Will Brown on pole last year after we finished qualifying before the shootout. Incredibly fast in the race. I had to look at some of his lap times. I mean, he was banging out the numbers big time. Got Jackie Perkins. Jackie, you know, again, not the fastest co-driver in there, but knows the game, knows how to look after a car and hand it back. Brown could surprise if he's in the car at the end of the day. Absolutely could. Look at um, his teammate, Tostecki, last year. I mean, unbelievable way he took it to win cup. Um, you, know, you know, Courtney, what a fantastic year he's had. He could surprise. Nick Perkett found some form finally at Pukekohe in a WA car with Lafayette Bathurst, tell me they aren't possible for a podium. I mean, I go on, Holdsworth's pace hasn't been great this year, but he sat on the benches last year and look at he did his times at, um, at Bathurst last year, mate, was stellar. And he's got this kid, Matt Payne, in the car with him, who has won races at Super 2 level. He's going to compete in the Super 2 race up there, knows he's coming into the main game next year. I'm going to watch him carefully. I think he could go all right. So... I mean, again, they could pop up right at the back of the podium or near on the, on the podium. Um, Heimgartner, arguably, I reckon he's about the most underrated driver in the championship in the last five years. Um, Woody, another solid co-driver. So, geez, I could go on, mate. It's really robust in that sort of back half of the 10, you know, the podium to the back half of the 10. And that's, that's kind of exciting. And that's why I think this gets better year on year. So... Um, all of those guys are in and around, and then you know, and that, I'm not, I haven't even mentioned Winterbottom or Scotty Pye. I mean, there's a bunch of others, but where do you, you know, Pitha, uh, Pitha Young Golding's doing a good job, you know. I want Pitha to do well just because the look of that coke car looks like Crompo's old car. I mean, there's so, so you go back a little bit further, and it's pretty robust back there as well. So, mate, I meant it when I said at the start, it just gets tougher each year to sort of predict what's going to happen. The Larkometer says, warm. Um, I've only got one real smoky um, that, that's a real general potential to go, wow, I didn't expect that. Um, and that's Lowndes and Declan Fraser for a podium. 
And I say that for a couple of, I mean, Lowndes is Lowndes and, you know, he's he's getting older now. Of course, you're not going to go back there every year and be as fast as you were the year before. You know, I'm sure there'll be another, might be another 10th or two lost. But, you know, Declan's clearly a young talent, great young kid, great demeanour. Um, but the game changer for me is Roland Dane running that that effort, you know, looking after it down the other end of pit lane there. Um, you cannot tell me for love nor money that that car won't have every component, bit of information, uh, and ability to do as well as the cars right up the other end of the pit lane, um, the team cars. That that team, because of its engineering and staff resource, will have still good people on that car. Um, so, you know, absolutely could pop out of nowhere or somewhere for a podium because of those reasons. They'll have a good strategy going. They'll, they'll have it sorted. So I just don't think they'll be quite fast enough for outright pace of the top two or three right at the end. Sadly, love Murph like a brother. <laughs> um, love Richie. I, I've put them into the, you know, kind of the cool, I, I've put cool here. We've come from Sifferson Hot down to cool, folks. And I've put under cool, apart from Lowndes and uh, Declan, it, the wild cards. Uh, not because I have any issue with them, but I, more to temper everyone's expectation about what a wild card is at Bathurst. I mean, it's hard enough to run one car, let alone two cars, and have the engineering staff, the life componentry, measured, organised, ready to bolt on the car, all perfectly run, and everyone in tune with a team and pit stops without errors and all the same level of gear an application, and I just don't see how you do that with a wild card at a one-off event. So, um, you know, I think it's going to be great, and I encourage wild cards. I wish we'd do more of it. I think it's a fantastic way, particularly for Super 2 teams, to step up um, and have this opportunity. And, you know, a, a bit like uh, the Ingle Feeney thing, I think it's going to be fabulous having uh, Murph and Richie in the car. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, but 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 the way this game works... Um, I, I just don't see a way to the front for those sorts of cars. I just don't. In fact, arguably, I mean, Erebus need to be focused on doing some really good pit stops with their own two cars. You're having to run a third car as well, man, that's a stretch. So, you know, I hope they have a good day. I really do. But I foresee little dramas and bits and pieces along the way because the game's the game's harder than running third cars. I reckon it's a big thing to undertake at Bathurst. I really do. So um, that's my, that's my sort of take on that, mate. The Lycometer says, smoky and cool. Well, plenty of food for thought in all that. Lyco, of course, will feature in the Bathurst 1000 broadcast with his unique analysis and insights. The Repco Bathurst 1000 will be live across the weekend on Fox Sports and Channel 7. Still to come, Chaz Mostert and Cam Waters and Holden's farewell to Bathurst. Race Fuels is Australia's leading supplier of racing fuel to national and state-level motorsport. And its range of racing fuels includes the BP Supercars E85, which is available to grassroots races. For power and protection over pump fuel, Race Fuels imports the Elf Race 102, as used by Porsche Carrera Cup and the Touring Car Masters. More info on Race Fuels E85 and Elf Race 102 is available at RaceFuels. You're listening to Parked Up Plus. Welcome back. We're now heading up and over Mount Panorama, the really challenging section of our Bathurst 1000 preview lap. 
Shane Van Gisbergen and Garth Tander are the hot favourites. But last year's runaway winner, Chaz Mostert, is highly fancied to repeat. Mozzie is paired this time with Fabian Coulthard in the Mobile One Optus Racing WAU Commodore, arguably an even stronger combination than his winning partnership with Lee Holdsworth last year. Chaz is cautiously confident about his chances of repeating. Well, folks, pretty... Um... Pretty relaxed. Um, I don't know. I'm not uh, putting too much pressure on myself or trying not to. And yeah, we just uh, enjoy enjoy the drive up there, which is always pretty nice. And then by the time you get there, it's it's uh, see the Mount Panorama sign. You get those goosebumps and tingly feelings, and, and you just understand that you're going to be there, part of an epic race, and, and a, hopefully a story gets told that that your name's in it. But if not, um, you just got to be proud that we put on such a great show up there, all the competitors. So um, yeah, we're gonna. Try and go back to back, but as everyone does, we'll try to win it again. And we'll just have to see how the mountain treats us. Well, of course, nobody knows what's going to happen in the Bathurst 1000 ever. But going back as the defending Bathurst champion, I don't know. Does that make it easier, different? What does it mean? Uh, To be honest, it doesn't really mean, mean a lot. I think last year was last year. and That's fantastic. And to be able to... To win the 1,000 again was, you know, it's un, it's an, one of the best feelings in the world as a supercar driver. Um, but this year, there's there's so many different variables. You can, can't look into last year too much, except for maybe kind of what worked and what didn't work from the year before, setup-wise and strategy-wise and all that kind of stuff. But then it really doesn't make doesn't really matter anyway because in 12 months, the variables can change so much that you can um, almost just need a fresh start up there. So... We'll just have to see how we go. We've obviously got confidence that we've been able to, to win it more recently than anyone else. So we've got confidence that we can do it. But all the other things, um, I don't know, it doesn't really mean a crazy amount, to be honest. Mostert has won three races so far this season, but he reckons his pre-Bathurst form is no stronger than last year. Uh, the season's been, well, for us this year, has been very up and down, been inconsistent, been great to get a few wins this year but there's been weekends that we've really struggled so um consistently i'd say form wise hasn't been as strong as what it was last year but results wise on our peaks have been so um yeah definitely as in belief that we can go there and win um but it's not the 1000 is never an easy task it's oh i say there's 99 things that can go wrong around there and and um a dollar part can ruin your day so like I know the teams put as much effort in as they have last year. Um, me and Fabs has, and so has Nick and Luffy. So we're in, we're in feeling great and positive about going there to put on a good show and, and hopefully be in contention to try and win again. But at, like you said before, the, the 1,000, no one ever knows what's going to go on except for maybe the Bathurst gods, and we'll just have to see where we end up. You and Fabian Coulthard are certainly a very strong combination You've got to be one of the main contenders, surely. Um, yeah, I mean, I was very lucky last year to be teamed up with someone like Lee, and he um, he he rang the neck of that car and got everything out of it. And 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 Fabian's been doing exactly the same job as what Lee has, and I think he's effort off the track to this year with Fabian coming to a lot of rounds and um, keeping on the schedule and on on the program of where we are with the car has been second to none. He's really put in an amazing effort with that. And recent test days, he's been super fast as well. So 
Um, yeah, we'd, we'd like to think that we've got a good shot, but you just can't count anyone out up there. Chaz also doesn't put much store in being one of the pre-race favourites. I don't believe in favourites. I think everyone's got an even even shot up there and you just got to go through your practices, your qualifying, and I think you get more of a form guide closer to the race. But this far out, absolutely not. There's so many variable changes this year compared to last year, you know, when the... For just for instance, the date, you know, that, that changes a lot. Uh, temperature, weather, there's so many different things. So um, one car doesn't always work everywhere. So, yeah, with, with those different things, I wouldn't be surprised that we don't even end up in the same window that we were last year. We'll just have to, to go up there for the ride and see what we got. In the Ford camp, form suggests Cam Waters and James Moffat will be a front runner in their Tickford Racing Monster Energy Mustang. Waters is flat out fast and as a co-driver. Moffat is formidable at Mount Panorama. Waters has been runner-up the past two years. So I put it to him that it's time to shake off that bridesmaid tag. It is. I don't know if you're trying to upset me by saying that or it's a compliment. But um, yeah, second last few years has been um, obviously good, consistent, up the front and Bathurst each year but um haven't quite got it done so that's the focus going into it this year is make sure we tick all the boxes and put ourselves in the best position to to get it done well a pretty strong year so far particularly on pace are you feeling good about your chances this time uh yeah yeah i am we're pretty optimistic that we're um we're going to go there with a different kind of car and, and be competitive um this year been pretty consistent and a lot better at tracks where we're traditionally been weak at. So I think we know our car better now than we ever have and we kind of know what makes it tick. So, um, yeah, the last few years we've kind of lacked something in our package um, across the year and also at Bathurst. So I think if we can get on top of that this year, we'll be, you know, even more competitive pace-wise and, and to win that race, obviously, you need to be fast. Cam expects he'll be among the leading contenders if Tickford maximise his speed. You know, Bathurst throws everything at you and there's about 10 cars that are, you know, capable of winning um, with a bit of luck thrown in. But on raw pace, there's probably four or five cars that can win it. So, um, you know, we can't really influence the luck too much. You just need to make sure you don't make any mistakes. You've got a fast car and, and that helps, you know, put you in the position at the end of the day to, um, you know, go win it. So um, we're just focusing on, on what we need, make sure we have a fast car, make sure, you know, our pit stops are all, you know, perfect and, and no issues there. And, and um, hopefully the mountain decides it's uh, my turn. Okay, so going into the race, I mean, is there a favourite, do you think? You know, is it Shane Van Gisbergen and Garth Tandor or is it, you know, your old sparring partner, Chaz Mostert, now with Fabian Coulthard? Uh, or is it uh, is it you and Moff? I wouldn't say there's a favourite, but I think there's probably a definite three cars, which um, are probably stronger than, than the rest um, as a combination. So, yeah, I wouldn't pick one car as the favourite currently but um yeah hopefully we're the favorite after you know after qualifying because we're um we're on pole and we're fast <laughs>
Waters is second in the championship, 525 points behind title-bound SVG, but he's taking a win-or-bust approach to Bathurst. No, I'm going to Bathurst to win it. I don't really care if it comes second or, or fourth. Um, to be honest, I yeah, would rather have a, a Bathurst win under the name. So, um, yeah, it won't change how I approach the weekend. And if I take extra risk to get it done. Throughout this season and last year as well, Cam Waters has taken the fight right up to Van Gisbergen when he's had the chance. Unlike the others, he's not intimidated by SVG and wishes more drivers wouldn't roll over when the Kiwi is in their mirrors. I think some of the other drivers, you know, don't race him very hard. I don't know if they just do that because they think he's a lot quicker and they're just trying to race their own race, but... Yeah, I wish they raced him a bit harder because I probably would have won a couple more races if, if they had done that. But um, it is what it is, to be honest. I'm, I'll race him hard to the very end, um, like I do anyone, and I think he respects that. And I think the other drivers should have more of a crack as well. Is, is he the most well, satisfying, I guess, to race wheel-to-wheel with out there? Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. Just... You know, we do race each other, you know, very, very hard. We're given it absolutely everything, but we can usually, um, you know, give each other respect. And, you know, there might be a bump or, or whatever, but none of us are usually in the fence. So it's always cool racing him, you know, getting your elbows up. Um, you definitely can't race other people like that. It's a big week for Ford, unveiling the Mustang's new Gen 3 look at Mount Panorama on Thursday. That's a big day too for Holden. And more on that as we power out of Forest Elbow onto Conrod on our Bathurst 1000 preview hot lap. Back after this important message. The Napa Auto Parts Grassroots Racing Podcast, it's all in the name, it's all motorsport. Focused on those who make significant contributions to the sport we love. Correct. Some people might only see a dozen motor racing events each year. But the truth is that our sport never stops. Almost every weekend, there's a car race going on somewhere. And Gaz, you're at most of them. Ah, yes. And if I'm not there, you certainly are. And you'll hear from us on the Napa Auto Parts Grassroots Racing Podcast. Every fortnight. You're listening to Parked Up Plus. We're now racing down Codrod on our Bathurst 1000 preview lap. Sunday's big race will be Holden's final appearance with the Commodore to be replaced next year by the Gen 3 Chevrolet Camaro. As well as farewelling the Lion brand, GM will be celebrating the 50th anniversary of the late Peter Brock's first Bathurst win. Here's local Chevrolet Racing General Manager Chris Payne on the significance of this weekend for Holden fans. Well, Marco, I think think you can expect it to be an emotional Bathurst on on a few different fronts um, and you really need to take a moment to reflect I think on what that means to a lot of people um, I'm sure it's it is going to be the last appearance for Holden in the main game at least and it's coincident with the 50th anniversary of Peter Brock's first win it'll be the uh, last time that Craig Lowndes will drive a Holden uh, in the supercars competition and, and his 300th round start. So 
I'm sure all of that's got a lot to do with the fact that the the campsites are all sold out and, and a record crowd is expected. But I, I think to uh, the fans, it means a lot more than that. It feels very much like the end of the Ford red versus blue battle uh, culminating at the mountain in, um, in a week's time. And I think there's a huge sense of expectation of that. Um, and the 50 years or more than 50 years of history that Holden has had at Bathurst um, comes down to that, that moment. I've said to a couple of people, to me, it's, it's almost like uh, the equivalent in AFL football if it were, were going to be the, the very last time that Collingwood, Collingwood were to play in the competition and imagine the significance of something like that. Payne says the commemorations and celebrations will stretch right across the weekend. Well, you can, you can break it down into a couple of parts. So I think from a, a supercars perspective with the broadcast team and David Tunnicliffe, and there will be a, a tremendous uh, job done in the broadcast of celebrating all things Holden in the telecast. There'll be no doubt about that. Um, trackside, there'll be a lot going on as well for the fans who are at the circuit. Um, there's a massive revamp of the Harris Park precinct uh, by supercars, which includes a Brock uh, tribute display in the fan zone. Um, and that will be the place where uh, I think it is five of Peter's most significant cars will be on display for the fans to get around and, and enjoy. Um, on Thursday, we'll be utilising that space, GM, to host a small event to acknowledge um, the, the, the exit of Holden uh, from uh, Bathurst, as well as the Brock uh, 50th anniversary. We also, uh, at our event on the Thursday, will be paying tribute alongside uh, uh, the Brock family and Australia Post by launching a, a set of commemorative stamps, uh, which are dubbed, uh, of course, Peter Brock, King of the Mountain. There are five stamps in that collection, which will be on sale at Australia Post offices and the, and, and the five cars which are um, commemorated in that set are, of course, the 72 uh, LJ, the uh, 79 Tirana Hatchback LX, the 1980 VC Commodore, uh, the 84 Big Banger VK and the 87 BL Commodore. Uh, so that'll be part of our presentation uh, pre-race on, on the Thursday of next week. Chris Payne also revealed GM's plans to farewell Holden from racing at the season-ending Adelaide 500 in early December. Yeah, the very last appearance of a Holden race car in the main game in what's the, the sentimental hometown of Holden Manufacturing, where everyone knows so many of our cars were built at the Elizabeth site um, in Adelaide. And uh, when the Melanascus South Australian government uh, was elected, they, they came and approached us around plans for the, the Holden Tribute Cruise. And that was announced uh, last week. And this is a chance for Holden owners to, to meet on site at the old um, factory uh, facility at Elizabeth and driving convoy to the circuit on the Saturday of the race. And um, the tickets for that, I believe, went on sale early this week on Monday um, and uh, were sold out very quickly. I think some 500 places were sold within a matter of 10 minutes. And um, the uh, 
scale of that convoy is is promising to be uh, quite significant. So um, we're working closely with the South Australian government on that as an acknowledgement of, of Holden. And as part of that, Mark, um, uh, GM in Australia uh, owns and has maintained uh, some 75 vehicles in our Holden Heritage Collection. Um, some of those vehicles are, are stored and cared for at the National Motor Museum at Birdwood out of Adelaide. Um, so we're going to take the opportunity with the Holden uh, convoy to make available the, the very first Holden that we still own, uh, 48215, and the very last Holden that was ever built at Elizabeth, uh, 2017 VF Commodore. So those two cars will feature as part of the convoy and, and do uh, a circuit of the Adelaide 500 track in December. Anything else at the Adelaide 500 itself and particularly on track? Uh, I think there will be. Um, we're going to get through Bathurst, of course, this week and, and then focus on, on the Gold Coast and then the Adelaide to follow. Uh, there'll be much more uh, to come and, and more information on that when, it, when it's available. Back to Bathurst and Chevrolet Racing will make a major announcement on Friday. Well, Chevrolet Racing, as everyone knows, is our, our new brand. Uh, it's not replacing and, and it's not designed to replace the, the legacy of Holden Motorsport, HD, HDT and HRT. It represents a new era for us in motorsport in Australia and New Zealand. So on Friday, we'll be unveiling the second competitive entry for Chevrolet Racing, which is in professional drag racing. Um, and this isn't new for us. GM has been involved in drag racing here in Australia through our AC Delco brand uh, for some 15 years in the top door slammer category. Um, so when we locked in uh, the Camaro for Gen 3 supercar competition, we started looking closely at other categories of racing. And uh, over the course of the last uh, 18 months, um, uh, Fabietti Racing have worked together with us, putting together a GM-designed Camaro uh, over the top of a 3,500-horsepower drag car. And these are the fastest doored uh, race cars in the world. This one's designed to run at um, just under 5.7 seconds for the quarter mile and uh, at a top speed of 410 kilometres an hour. So it's very exciting for us to be able to unveil the car on a Friday morning at Bathurst with the cooperation of supercars. Um, it's not a concept. It's not a. It's not a digital rendering of what it might look like. It's it's very real, and, and everyone will see that on Friday. Along with other milestones, Craig Lowndes' three hundredth race start, and Dick Johnson Racing's one thousandth in Australian Touring Car Racing, Holden's last Bathurst after almost sixty years. Well, it'll certainly make it a memorable event. And some supercars news ahead of the big race. As expected, Todd Hazelwood will replace Tim Slade at Cool Drive Racing next year. Slade's exit from the Blanchard Mustang squad means confirmation of his move to Premier Racing. Among the candidates to fill Hazelwood's spot at Matstone Racing are Triple Eight Super 2 protégés Declan Fraser and Cameron Hill. While James Golding is expected to continue at Premier alongside Slade, latest word is that seat isn't quite locked in yet. Also looking to secure a new home is Chris Pither and presumably 
Here's Coca-Cola backing. Fuel giant Caltex is returning as sponsor of Matt Charter's wildcard entry at Bathurst. Under the Caltex Young Stars banner, it's a toe-in-the-water deal. We're hearing Caltex is looking at getting back into supercars on a regular basis next year or 2024. Caltex famously backed Russell Ingalls' 2005 championship and Triple Eight in more recent years. In a convoluted deal, Ampol returned to the forecourt as petrochemical heavyweight Chevron took back the Caltex brand. Chevron is rebranding Puma petrol stations and adding new sites around the country. To promote its Caltex with Tektron range of fuels, the company is expected to hook up with an emerging supercars team in the future, continuing the Young Stars theme. Jane Van Gisbergen warmed up for Bathurst by starring in Rally New Zealand. That headlines a big weekend in racing around the world, as Formula One also returned to Singapore. Here's Grant Rowley with a roundup of all the action presented by our partner, Bob Jane Timo. The World Rally Championship visited New Zealand for the first time in 10 years, where a new champion was crowned. Finnish star Kale Rovenpera took the win in Repco Rally New Zealand and in doing so became the youngest ever world champion of the demanding sport. In the WRC2 class, Kiwi local Hayden Pattern was the winner, while supercar star Shane Van Gisbergen finished his maiden WRC2 tilt in third place. Formula One returned with a wet and wild Singapore Grand Prix. After a lengthy delay due to torrential rain, Red Bull Racing Sergio Perez claimed the win in tricky conditions from the Ferrari duo of Charles Leclerc and Carlos Sainz. Australian Danny Ricciardo scored a season high with fifth place. In MotoGP, Red Bull KTM's Miguel Oliveira led home Australian Jack Miller to victory in a rain-affected Thai MotoGP. Francesco Bagnaia finished third, and with Fabio Quartararo failing to take home a championship point, the gap between the pair is now just two points, with three rounds remaining. NASCAR saw title favourite Chase Elliott take victory at Talladega, ensure that he has a guaranteed place in the next stage of NASCAR's final system. Also in America, Australian international Matt Campbell secured the GTD Pro-Class title win in the 2022 IMSA Sports Car Championship. Locally in the TA2 Muscle Car Series, Josh Haynes, Zach Lascalpo and Jet Johnson took victories at Sydney Motorsport Park, but all eyes now turn to Mount Panorama for the 60-second running of the great race at Mount Panorama. I'm Grant Rowley, reporting for Parked Up Plus, with thanks to our great supporters at Bob Jane Teamers. Maintaining our Bathurst lap theme, we're now through the chase and heading into the last corner and the run to the flag. Finally, defending Bathurst 1000 winner Chaz Mostert is renowned for changing his hairstyle and colour. So, will we see the return of Chaz Exotic at the mountain? <laughs> oh, I was trying to do something, but... um. I don't think I'll be able to do much for this weekend. I think we'll be doing something for for Gold Coast, which will be pretty special. I wish I could have done it for Bathurst, but um, the stars didn't align. But uh, yeah, we'll just have to um, see we'll see what round something wild comes out. But there will be there will be something wild by the end of the year. 
Uh, unfortunately, I don't know if it'll be for Bathurst. Well, we always look forward to a new Chaz look. You're always interested. <laughs> so do I. <laughs> we wait with bated breath. Actually, that's not quite it. This week is the 30th anniversary of the most infamous Bathurst win. Jim Richards and Mark Scaife triumphed in a controversial rain-ended finish. Their crippled Nissan GTR crashed on the side of the waterlogged track when the race was red flagged. The result was declared at the lap before Richo slid off the circuit, robbing Ford folk hero Dick Johnson of victory. A big crowd beneath the podium loudly booed and jeered. And who will ever forget Richard's response? I'm just really stunned for words. I can't believe the reception. I thought Australian race fans had a lot more to go than this. This is bloody disgraceful. I'll keep racing, but I'll tell you what, this is going to remain with me for a long time. You're a pack of assholes. All in all, the 1992 Bathurst 1000 was one of racing's blackest days. And we're across the line. That's pole position for Parked Up Plus. It's been a huge show. Hope you enjoyed it. Back this time next week with the latest news and views on what's happening in motorsport. In the meantime, tune in to Parked Up with Grant Rowley and a special pre-Bathers discussion panel on Thursday. I'm Mark Fogarty. Thanks for listening. You've just listened to another Network R production. 